As we head toward Memorial Day, Nickerson Excavation and Construction asks everyone to stop and remember the sacrifices made by our military veterans in defense of our nation's liberty. Serving the New Limerick area for over 50 years, Nickerson Excavation and Construction is your one-stop shop for all your excavation, drainage, and road construction needs, offering good old family-friendly service. For an estimate or bid, please call Nickerson Excavation at 207-532-9391. That's 207-532-9391. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with a unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. And as... You people who tune in regularly know, I start with a rant, but today, everything that annoyed me has nothing to do with UFOs or paranormal, so we'll just skip that and move on to other things before I get myself uh, in trouble with the cancel culture. I'm going to be joined by John Steiger. He's been engaged in UFO research since 2010. After attending the Roswell Festival, John became inspired by the idea of a jury trial drama. 
with the audience as a jury to examine the truth between the arguments advanced by the pro-Roswell UFO advocates and the anti-UFO skeptics. Well, once he completed the Roswell trial, John proceeded to research the Rendlesham Forest UFOs, devising a board of inquiry to question the prime witnesses and determine just what happened. His final drama herein is will to believe the Brooklyn Bridge UFO investigation as presented in the form of a debate among the principals as to the credibility of this transcendental alien abduction. The UFO Trilogy is John's first publication. It's called the UFO Trilogy, Dramas for the Stage. John Steiger, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I thought we'd be a little bit more uh, verbose about that, but that's okay. Uh, I guess uh, you really weren't much interested in UFOs until about 10 years ago. Is that correct? Is that what I understand? I had some tangential interest, but I was more interested in some other things, and that's what I, where I was concentrating what time I could uh, to those pursuits. Um, actually, I got into UFOs in the uh, mid-'90s. Uh, it was all my mother-in-law's doing, really. She uh, had was a, um, uh, a late-night person, uh, had insomnia, and so she started listening to Art Bell and Linda Moulton Howe and uh, all the people who were guests on there. And uh, anyway, she uh, told me about it, but then said, you know, John, it's too bad, your work, so you can't listen to it. And so I said to myself, well, that's what she thinks. And so I was listening to it at times. And um, anyway, I, I had some interest in UFOs back in the 90s and then through the early 2000s, I uh, uh, finally got to um, uh, Steve Bassett's uh, last X conference, wherein he had uh, George Norrie, Linda Moulton Howe, and George Knapp all um, present, and that was a very interesting experience. And then we went from there, a few years later, uh, I, met, I managed to meet the Kevin Randall at the uh, Citizens' Hearing uh, which was right here in my backyard, Washington D.C., and I mean, I had it was wonderful. I, I got to sit next to you at the first dinner, and uh, Stanton Friedman was right there. Linda Moulton Howe was there, and um, anyway, that was that was a wonderful uh, introduction. And at that point, I, uh, you know, became very more involved in UFOs. So you didn't have a an event didn't have a sighting or anything like that, that that inspired you into the UFO field. It was just sort of a slow transition. I've never seen a UFO. I've only seen one paranormal, um, uh, I guess, experience one paranormal activity, and that was actually at the uh, on the way out of Roswell, the first time I had gone there, I, I actually sh saw a... Uh, shadow being cross the road this is on the road that goes out of roswell towards the um, uh interstate 25 it's it's quite a ways over to the interstate from roswell as you know and i was going west on that uh, road and this was about um say the 4:30 in the morning on the uh, monday following uh roswell in uh, 2015 and uh but that's i mean that it lasted for under two seconds. Um, it was on the left side of the road, across the highway. Anyway, but it, but I know I saw it. What what exactly is a shadow being? It is a all dark being. It's like it's kind of like. Do, do you recall Humphrey Bogart in the old detective uh, uh, movies like Maltese Falcon or Big Sleep? You mean film noir? Yeah, yeah but it, it... I love film noir. It, of course okay, I know Humphrey that's, Bogart. <laughs> okay, Humphrey Bogart. Imagine Humphrey Bogart in a in his uh, trench coat and, and his uh, fedora hat, and but you can't make out any of the features. All you can see is the coat, the hat, and the head. I mean, that's all I saw. But this thing, what happened is... 
my headlights went around the object. So, I mean, it didn't go through. You know how headlights go through the gloom, the darkness, the gloom and darkness? It, this was a blackness that was so deep it was impenetrable. And it was the, the form of a Humphrey Bogart detective-like, and it's on one side of, of the left side of the road. And I saw it at about, say, 30 yards from where I was. And by the time I got to somewhere like 20 yards away from it, it made a streak, it like, it like a streak of light. And the next thing I know, it's on the other side of the highway. And then by then, I'm going past it. Is there That's a the extent of my sighting. Is there a possibility this was some kind of an optical illusion and your mind kind of filled in details? I, I don't see, I've never had it before. I don't see how. I mean, this, this, there was something there. There was something on the left side of the road, and then it crossed and was on the right side of the road, and I passed it. And there was a streak of light in between where it moved. It didn't, I mean, it, it crossed the road faster than anything can go, faster than like a cheetah or, or, you know, the fastest animal or whatever can cross the road. It was faster than that. I mean, it just, it's like it went across the road. I didn't expect to be talking about this, but well, if this is the only paranormal or UFO sighting I've ever had. I have very bad vision, but this was close enough that I could see it. I mean, I... People take me out stargazing. They'll see, oh, look at that, the, the sky full of stars, and I'll see, you know, three or four of them. Is that bad eyes? Well, let's, uh, let's move on then, because I really kind of wanted to talk about your Roswell trial. Uh, you, become, you became interested in the Roswell case in 2010 when you went to the festival, or did you have an interest before then? No, no I went to the festival in 2015. Um, Oh. I became interested in it in the 2010 to, say, 2013, in there, principally because of you. <laughs> you, you no, ser seriously, I'm, in all seriousness, you, I think you're the greatest UFO writer out there. You're the Shakespeare of UFOs, if you ask me. And I'm saying well, that I, in all seriousness. I appreciate, I appreciate that, and the money is in the mail, but... What got you inspired to write the Roswell UFO trial? Because I went to the festival. This is the first time. And on the way home, I was by myself, first of all. It was a crazy trip. I was by myself. I had my, well, I had my two dogs with me, but uh, no humans. And, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I was out in the country and, 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 uh, had plenty of time to do whatever I wanted. I mean, I went all the way up to Custer's last stand, and then I decided, you know what, I have enough time to go back to Dallas and see the assassination spot, and then I went on home to Virginia. And on the way, I just started thinking, you know, Roswell's such an important event. There really needs to, but there's, there's definitely two sides to it. There's the people who believe it and the people who absolutely do not believe it. And so why not have a trial and do a fair presentation of both sides' evidence and do it in a legal manner and see where the evidence falls? And so now it required a great deal of research. I mean, I got every book I could find um, on Roswell. And I have bibliographies for each of my plays in the UFO trilogy. I mean, I'm very proud that I've done a lot of research for these. And um, anyway, it just this just naturally flowed out of me that that I could do this. And well, let me, I, uh, let, me I mean, let me interrupt you here because sure. I'm going to have to take a break because we do that every 12 minutes, whether we want to or not. I'm familiar uh, with your wonderful broadcaster. <laughs> We will we will be back with John Steiger, get a little bit deeper into the uh, Roswell trial, which is part of the UFO trilogy, Dramas for the Stage, which is published by Flying Wing Publications. And I want to thank those of you who purchased the Best of Budget Blue Book, because it's been up and down uh, on the Amazon bestseller list and that sort of thing. If you've read the book, we'll put up an interview, for, not an interview, a review for it, because I appreciate that a great deal. It's helpful uh, in 
the book out there for the gift. As I say, I will be back right after this with John Steiger, so please stick around. like to be able to read other people's minds well the next best thing is here when you know how to read a person's name you know how the person thinks feels and behaves each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names including the first and last impression people remember about us Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. Path Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes, composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, create sacred space in which to live and work, empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried and true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading-edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com. I am here with John Steiger, and I promise we're going to get into the... um, UFO trilogy, we're going to get into the Roswell trial aspect of it and talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we do, John, what uh, do you think of as the best evidence for the Roswell UFO crash? What what really excites you? Well, I think it's the many, many witnesses of the uh, debris um, that's not of this planet. But we're talking metallic debris, and metallic debris is pretty much metallic debris. I mean, a lot of people would say we need something much more substantial to take the leap into the extraterrestrial. So it's it's just... I I understand. I understand. That's U.S. for mine. I mean, uh, 
Look, there's not there's not one aspect. The best thing, my best answer to this, my best answer to this, because I did some research for this interview, okay? My best in, re, answer to this is something that Art Bell asked. He asked, what is your confidence level that Roswell was extraterrestrial in origin? And Kevin Randall answered, there is no doubt in my mind that Roswell was extraterrestrial. It's based on talking to the eyewitnesses. It's based on trying to find an alternative explanation. When we bring all the facts into play, there is no other explanation that fits other than the extraterrestrial. That is an interview that you have with Art Bell on April 24, 1994. You perhaps do not believe that anymore. I adopt that answer on July 8th, 2020. Okay. So how exactly is this structure? You say it's a trial format. So we're, I'm assuming a courtroom. We've got um, the, the audiences being the, the jury and the, the players in there. Who all is involved in this? Who, who are the, the characters, if you will? Sure. It's a civil trial. Okay. It's a civil trial, not a criminal. Because there's no crime committed. And there's, you know, a judge and there's a plaintiff's attorney, which is the, the um, UF, pro-UFO side. They brought the suit. And there's defendant's attorney, which is the um, United States Air Force uh, attorney. Um, there are ten witnesses pro-Roswell, which I believe is all you need to, to prove the case in the civil trial. And... They are uh, Bill Brazel, Jesse Marcel Sr., Lydia Sleppy, uh, Bill Rickett, uh, Robin Adair, Edwin Easley, Thomas Gonzalez, uh, General William Jefferson DeBose, General Exxon, and Frankie Rowe. On the other side, based on the okay, on the other side, based on the two uh, U.S. Air Force. Uh, papers um, refuting Roswell. There is uh, Sheridan Cavett, who they interviewed. There is, uh, Ir- um, is it Irvin, Irving Newton? Irving Newton, Mr. Yes. Newton. Irving, Irving Newton, okay. Uh, Charles Moore, and those are the three witnesses on the uh, government side, shall we say. Well, let's, let's be- do this. Let me, let me interrupt, because I, I, I know who all these people are. But sure. I'm sure the witnesses of the witnesses, the listeners aren't sure who all these people are. So, well, let's take the Air Force people first because they're the easiest ones. And there's only three of them. Let's go with them. Who exactly are these three people? Because, I mean, you mentioned Charles Moore. You mentioned Irving Newton. Uh, people don't know who these people are. So who exactly are these people? Right. Um, Sheridan Cavett was a... Um Counterintelligence. Uh, right, exactly. Look, you know this case better than I do. I'm not fresh on the exact details. I mean, I was at a time, but this is written in, say, 2016. Um, but I have this uh, all factually based on, uh, with, with uh, there's 855 endnote references in the three plays. Everything is fully referenced here. So, the, the but but the public let's, is, let's take a step back here and let's sure, let's sure. talk about let's talk about the witnesses so the listeners understand who they are. So Sheridan Cavett was a counterintelligence officer at Roswell in 1947. He went out to the debris field with Mac Brazel and Jesse Marcel Senior, who was the air intelligence officer. So we've got those people identified. So Cavett is the one who claims first that he wasn't even there. And, and do you deal with that in the, in the play, that his, his initial testimony to various people was, I wasn't even in Roswell in 1947, or do, do we kind of skip over that? No, that's, of course that's included, because, I mean, look, the man's, the man's a liar. I mean, bottom line, the man's a liar. I mean, he lied, he said he wasn't even in Roswell, he said he never went out to the debris field. I mean, he just, he lied several times before he finally admitted that he went to a debris field once and found um, a very small patch of debris. 
Well, both Jesse Marcel uh, said he went to the the large debris field, the one out at uh, Foster Ranch, which is uh, in Lincoln County, and then Rickett said that he went with him to the uh, debris field that's much closer to Roswell and likely in Chavez County. Well, let's let's identify Bill Rickett. Bill Rickett was the NCOIC, that's the non-commissioned officer in charge of the counterintelligence office in Roswell. He was subordinate to Sheridan County. So Rickett is giving us one story that they went out to the field and, and Cavett's giving us another field. But let me clarify one thing. Is it fair to call Cavett a liar? And, and I asked yes, this yes. question, well, I asked this question for this reason. If this was a matter of national security and he is charged with protecting the secrets of national security, isn't he obligated to lie about it? Well, I didn't say he shouldn't lie. But that, that doesn't mean he's – okay, you can argue national security, and, I mean, you know, Easley was the same way. I mean, Easley didn't uh, fully disclose everything he knew, and um, I'm not sure even uh, uh, DeBose said everything that he knew. So Ramey certainly didn't say. Blanchard didn't say. A lot of wait, people wait, wait, held wait, back wait, from – Wait, 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 wait. You, you, you keep throwing out names, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but I'm afraid the listeners can't follow the discussion without knowing who the players are, and we've got a lot of players in this thing. So, I mean, easily, the provost marshal at Roswell, the head of the security, the, the chief of police at Roswell, responsible for security on the field. Um, but he never, he never, uh, he, he wouldn't answer questions specifically about... Um, the bodies, or a question specifically about the uh, what all he had seen, he would he would give answers that suggested things to us. Uh, but my point simply is this: I mean, you characterize Cavett as a liar without giving the details, and I think it's only fair to Cavett to mention that he may have been obligated to tell these sorts of lies simply because of who he was and what his what he felt his obligations were for national security. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fine. That's fine. So we've got we've got Cabot out there on the debris field. Now, who's Charles Moore? Charles Moore was a scientist with the um, Project Mogul uh, uh, balloon um, endeavor or experiment, whatever you want to call it, but he was not uh, on the premises. He was uh, he was not in New Mexico at the time. Wouldn't but that he is—he's the best witness that the government has that that Roswell is Project Mogul, which but is what their uh, wasn't report. Wasn't he in said. fact? Wasn't wasn't he in fact at Alamogordo in in July of 1947? I don't think so. I mean, I, it's possible I have that wrong, but I—I I mean, uh, I don't think so. I think well, uh, was it Doctor Crary was the uh, person on. Um, on uh, site, and and he had the diary entry. Crary was the project the project engineer. When we say mogul, we're talking about the balloon launches, of course. But to be fair, it's the University of New York's um, balloon project, and not really mogul per se. It would lead to mogul. Mogul was the overall picture of it. But Charles Moore was there as as part of the team launching the balloons. To be fair to Charles Moore. And if you were going to call someone a liar, Charles Moore is the man that I would I would call the liar because he changed his story significantly, and he changed the launch times, and he changed the trajectories, and he changed a number of things like that during his uh, involvement in the Roswell case. And his attitude became much more hostile toward the end. There, I'd been to his house twice in in uh, Socorro before he passed away, of course, and. Uh, uh, but he became much more um, of an adversary, I guess, as opposed to a scientist looking at the facts. He wanted to be the man that could be credited with launching the Roswell balloons. And we explain all this, of course, so people understand who these characters are. Now, um, when we come back, and we're going to have to take a break here, when we come back, we'll talk about Irving Newton a little bit. He was the weather officer at 8th Air Force Headquarters in Fort Worth at Carswell, well, at Fort Worth Army Airfield at the time, who briefed jo uh, General Ramey on exactly what the debris was that had come from Roswell. I'm here with John Steiger, 
We're talking about the UFO trilogy, uh, dramas for the stage, and we're talking specifically about the Roswell uh, trial that uh, we're trying to get the players identified, and I think we'll take way too much time doing that, but, but we've got we've to do that. And I wanted to mention that there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, or as my friends say, xzbn.net. So take a look at the list. Uh, the listings at X-Zone, the X-Zone website, and you'll find something cheer up that'll spark your interest. I will be back right after this with John Steiger talking about the UFO trilogy. So please stick around. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you considering calling a psychic to read your situation? Then consider David Champion, a psychic medium for more than 20 years with thousands of readings under his belt. David Champion will make you feel comfortable. He has proven to be honest and accurate. He's a straight shooter. There's no guesswork. What he sees is what you get. While he is a medium, most of the calls focus on relationships, not only love, but work, school, neighbors, and more. Need help with finding a job and preparing for the interview? Are you dealing with people who are obstacles in your path? For more information, go to davidchampion.com, $1.50 per minute, paid by credit card, with a minimum of 30 minutes. For your reading with David Champion, call 1-877-702-8598. That's 1-877-702-8598. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. I am joined by John Steiger. We're talking about the UFO trilogy, and we're trying to identify, I guess, the characters in the play so everybody can understand where we're coming from, which may be going a little bit too deep into the weeds for this, because there's other things I'd like to know about, especially about the Roswell case. When we left, um, we had been examining the three uh, witnesses for the opposition, I guess we'd say. Uh, we talked a little bit about Sharon Cavett, the counterintelligence guy. We talked a little bit about Charles Moore, who was working with the balloon project. And we've moved to Irving Newton. Um, exactly what does Irving Newton do for us? Irving Newton testifies that what was on the floor of Ramey's office was a weather balloon. And that was uh, stage for the press. So what Irving Newton saw was actually, I mean, he's, he, Irving Newton's telling the truth about what he saw, right? 
in in the play? I'm I'm not call. I'm no, absolutely not. I mean, and when I say absolutely not, I mean not a liar. Newton is not a liar. Now he is largely ignorant to the entire Roswell case. He, he knows what in, happened. He's brought in just to identify the materials in General Ramey's office. General Ramey being the commander of the Eighth Air Force, and he ordered material brought to Fort Worth for him to examine. So. When Irving Newton enters the enters the picture, he looks at what he sees on the floor and he identifies it exactly as what that material is. He's supporting the government's case by stating that what the people in Roswell thought was a uh, flying saucer uh, was in fact a weather misidentified weather balloon. That's why he is one of the principal witnesses for the government. But we need to make it clear that all he really knows is what he was told before he got into the office and he looks at the material, which I guess we'll get to in a moment. Um, what he looks at is, in fact, a weather balloon and a Raywin radar detector. So he's telling the absolute truth of, of his involvement. Right. And, the, and there's the photographic evidence of him with, with that on the floor. But that doesn't say this. It's that's part of the cover up. Yeah. So, well, let's yeah. let's flip let's flip over to the other people. Uh, Jesse Marcel, the air intelligence right. officer, uh, went out there with Cabot. How does his testimony differ from what Cabot tells us? Well, Jesse Marcel claims that he found um, material debris material with uh, amazing properties, and he brought some of it home. Uh, uh, and it was a, a, a lar very large field. And um, he brought some of it home uh, that evening. He was out there uh, for an entire day, and he brought it home and showed it to his son, um, who is one of the people who can uh, back up his testimony. Um, but so, but, but Jesse Marcel Sr., all he really sees is metallic debris, correct? I mean, when they're out on the field with, with Cavett and, and uh, Mac Brazel, who was the rancher, all they see is metallic debris, correct? No, well, I don't know all. It's very special property metallic debris. No, I'm, it's not, I'm, just, all I'm saying, you know, all I'm it's saying, not what you find at the metal shop down the street. No, no. All I mean, I'm saying, is, all I'm saying, all I'm saying here is what he sees is a field filled with metallic debris. He doesn't see a craft. He doesn't see a bodies. He can attest to the unusual properties of the material, and he himself had said repeatedly that it was something that was not made on Earth. So we get all that. I'm just saying, all he did was see metallic debris. Correct. Well, okay, but the only thing I disagree with you there is when you say all, that's a lot. I mean, he he, he saw, he, he's, he's an important witness that there is a crash site, so to speak, at the Foster Ranch. What he does is establish something actually fell, which we all agree to. He, he establishes that beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, even Cavett admits to that at this point. Yes, but Cavett was also present at two crash sites, not just one, two. Understood, understood. I'm just okay. putting... So, I mean, it's very important that we, 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 we get the number of... well. I mean, arguably, there's three crash sites, but I mean, for certain, two. Well, let's let's move on to in the play. Do you have a witness who saw bodies? One. And that is Gonzalez. Thomas Gonzalez. Now he yes. was an NCO, a sergeant, in Roswell yes. in 1947. We can document that. There's no question about it. He's in the yearbook. It's established that. Um, and he's, he saw the bodies. In the play, or, or what? I guess, what, what information did you use from Thomas Gonzalez in the play? What, what did you bring forward from, from, from his testimony? Well, the fact that, he, first of all, that he, he went to the site north of Roswell, not to the Foster Ranch debris field where Marcel and... and um, and, and Brazel and Cavett were. 
he went to the one where um, uh, Easley was on the premises, uh, according to Rickett, and also, um, this is, well, this is where the main craft fell and, and, and was located, and Gonzalez said that he saw bodies there. He made um, very, he made small figurines of the bodies he saw. Carvings of the of the bodies. Carving, yes, yes. Uh, does he does he say anything more about his involvement? Well, he said he had he had had a uh, piece of debris or whatever, and it, and, it, and it ended up missing. Um, but he also didn't he also mention that he was transferred off the base fairly rapidly. You know, I, 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 I honestly, at this moment, don't know the answer to that question. Okay, so we have. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Lydia Schleppy. Exactly, who is she? Uh, she was a um, TV. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Radio. She was a radio radio personnel. Um, that uh, there was a, a te- her tele she was transmitting something uh, a message uh, that there was a about the UFO and was uh, the, the teletype suddenly stopped and um, she later said that the FBI interrupted interrupted the communication now at first I don't think she said it was the FBI but that that is that's what happened with her and she also she, said that the 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 other the i the first guy's first name is johnny is johnny it, mcboyle uh, johnny mcboyle um was reporting from the scene that that there was a uh, crash now of course second hand but because uh, she wasn't out there but that there was a he was a reporter or whatever from from the same station and that uh he had seen the spaceship this is at the uh uh route 285 site north of roswell well lady schleppy actually worked in albuquerque and uh, the the station there was a network of stations and she was putting on the teletype machine we we need to clarify a teletype machine that what johnny mcboyle was telling her and according to her affidavit, and, I, and it's important this because the skeptics have made much of this, that there's no way the FBI or anybody could have interrupted her, but there actually was a mechanism. So while she's putting on the, the, the teletype, a bell rings saying there's an incoming transmission and she has to flip a switch and then she can receive stuff. Um, but what's important about her is she's actually mentioned in a, news, a, a magazine article in 19, I think it's 1976, and and I covered this at my blog www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, which I forget to mention too much, too much. But um, she got the transmission. It said, "Please cease transmission immediately." The FBI, as you said, was introduced later on, and I think it's because some of us were talking about FBI or something like that, and she kind of picked up on that. But uh, she's a very credible source about what uh, what had happened to her and that she was supposed to cease the transmission. So she's a very good witness. Did, do, do Mac, does Mac Brazel, is it Mac that, Brazel? That's, or why I, 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 that's why I included her. She's a very important witness. Yes. Yeah. But do you, is it Mac Brazel or Bill Brazel who uh, is Bill. in the... Bill Brazel, Mac, Mac, the son. Mac never, Mac never has anything on the record, to my knowledge. Other than through secondhand sources, like uh, the Proctors and his son Bill, and, and things like that, we got what uh, Mac had said to his son. And I, and I think that Don, Tom Carey and Don Schmidt have also got um, talked to other Brazel relatives now and gotten some additional information. Um, we're going to have to take. I'm presenting break. The, the. I'm presenting the the firsthand the best evidence for Roswell for the plaintiff's side that I, I there's a lot that's not included because it's just it's 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 for one evening's entertainment I mean you can't have everything I understood understood um, we're gonna have to take another break here 
the book is the UFO trilogy, and I'm sorry, folks, I wanted to get into some of these other things, but but we we're getting caught up in some of the, uh, I guess the the minutia of of Roswell once again. Uh, John Steiger is the guest with the UFO trilogy, which is the trial of uh, Roswell. I'll try to get a little bit more information about that when we come back in just a few minutes. So please stick around. Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genex provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Ancients knew what we have forgotten. In order to be empowered by nature, one must be aligned with the way life works. We've become increasingly disconnected from the earth and her cycles to our extreme detriment. The medicine wheel ceremony is an ancient rite practiced by shaman worldwide to recalibrate their people with the powers of the universe. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, at the Galactic Shamanism Retreat this spring equinox, March 18th through the 22nd, in the beautiful Colorado mountains. During this life-changing three-day medicine wheel training, you'll learn to build and maintain your own cross-cultural shamanic medicine wheel to promote manifestation, health, and personal power. Empower yourself with the wisdom of the ancients. Contact TouchIn at findyourpathhome.com or call 303-775-3431. with John Steiger. <laughs> my, my mind just went away for a moment there, folks, but it's back now, I hope. Anyway, we're, I'm here with John Steiger, and I, w- I was trying to think of what we need to do, because we, we've been caught up in some of the details of, of the Roswell case, and I know a lot of you know about that case uh, as well. And, and if you go to my web my website or my blog, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and type in Roswell, you get like tons of articles and all kinds of different information about what was going on. And uh, what I want to do is, is um, it, without giving anything away, I mean, it's a courtroom drama. So we have arguments going back and forth between the uh, 
attorneys and the witnesses and that sort of thing? I mean, it's a regular courtroom drama we're dealing with, right? Absolutely. There's, there's closing arguments. The audience is the jury, okay? And uh, that's what makes it interesting. And there's, there's two other plays, though, besides Roswell, and I, I don't know. know that we've touched very much on them. No, and that, that, that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to move on, move, move on from that as well, and we just don't really have a whole lot of time. But uh, so this is, um, I, I guess this is a, for a smaller venue, though. It, it, the idea is if the audience is the jury, it's for a smaller venue than you'd get into a larger play. Is that correct? You have an idea of the no, audience? No, it wouldn't just be for, you know, 12 people or whatever. No, it, it can be. Everybody, the idea is, with your playbill, you'll be given a jury ballot, and it will be collected by the um, ushers at the end, and you'll be escorted out into the uh, waiting area, and then the, uh, they'll count the, the uh, uh, ballots. It's not, it's not unanimous. It, it's, it's basically it's like election and, um, you know, preponderance of the evidence. And then, you know, you come back, they bring the audience back in, uh, the judge announces the verdict, and then uh, the actors come forth and receive their deserved accolades. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to the Rendlesham Forest case, because this is a board of inquiry, which is sort of a trial, but again, not really the same thing. What, what do we, how exactly is this, this structured? It's structured that... There's a board of inquiry looking into what exactly happened at Rendlesham Forest, there, which is a, um, it happened over three nights in December of 1980. We have good knowledge of what happened on the first night and on the third night. We don't have, we only have fragmentary knowledge of what happened on the second night, and that's not included in my play because it's fragmentary. Two, there's really only two main witnesses, and neither one is... Uh, come forward. Um, you mean on the second night? The, on the second night. Second night. On the second night only. The first night is is Peniston and Burroughs, and the second, uh, sorry, the third night is Colonel Halt's night, and Burroughs is also out there, and so, uh, but it's done. It's not done the same, you know, the same type format exactly as the Roswell play. It's it's an examination of Penniston's testimony, what he says, and there are both sides, people who are trying to find out what's going on, and people. And there's also a skeptics panel who are trying to uh, basically debunk what Penniston is saying. And then you have Burroughs in the, in the second act, and then you have uh, Colonel Holt for the third night and in the third act. And so the, what we're dealing with is a craft that landed outside a military installation in England and some of the ancillary problems. Do you deal with the medical issues at all that came up uh, for Penniston and Penniston and, and Burroughs? Touch on it. Uh, I mean, the, the, when you say the, the uh, craft landed, that was first night only. It was first night only. Uh, a very important, but first night. Each night is is very important unto themselves and very different. Um, the, the the craft really didn't land on uh, Colonel Halt's night, uh, but there was. Uh, um, well, I I mean that there's an encounter with the UFO, and and. Um, uh, it, I mean, a, a beam was sh shot down uh, at Colonel Halt and and uh, uh, some uh, and his. He had a uh, patrol with him, like three or four other people, and they uh, the beam was shot down at them from a, a ship a, up in the sky. A beam of light. A beam of light, pencil thin, beam of light. And right at their feet, not at them, but at, well, arguably not at them, but at their, that uh, they're right in front of them. And and so you have a board of officers uh, questioning Jim Peniston. No, no, there's not there's not much there's not much um, detail about the board of inquiry. It's it's focused on the witnesses. 
In fact, the the the, uh, the fun thing about this play is is that audience members actually can be part of the board of inquiry. There's 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 a chair of the board, and that person has lines, but the other, uh, along with the uh, uh, witness advocates, but the um, uh, other members of the board are simply seated up on the stage observing the proceedings. And so I allow audience members um, to, uh, you know, if, if they, however the, the people putting on the, producing the play want to do it, but there's an opportunity for people to actually watch a play while on stage. That's not that common. So how many, how many people do you envision being on the stage? Uh, from the audience up to yes. up to uh, up to four there'd be up to four there'd be the chair in the middle and then the, you can have british and american advocates on either side two of them up to two and do they get to ask questions no no there's so no just... no dialogue for them this is just it basically instead of watching it out in the audience you're watching it from up on the stage but, but do they Might can't have to pay they... some extra money for this Pardon me? You might have to pay some extra money for those premium seats. Yeah, they would be good seats. That's true. Yeah. And so we talk, the first night you talked to Peniston about his experiences. The second night or the... the first, uh, first act. First act first is Peniston. Yes, first act. Second Bruce, act is Burroughs, who fills, he, he's supplemental. But he, but he, he talks he fills about, in. I'm sorry, he, he talks about the first night and the third night because he was involved in both. Correct. That's right. And then the third act is uh, Colonel, Colonel Halt. Halt. Right. Okay. Um, quickly, what is the third one? And and we just have a couple of seconds. Your third. Your third. Will to believe is the Brooklyn Will Bridge UFO investigation. It it concerns uh, Bud Hopkins and 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 the uh, uh, alleged abduction of the United Nations Secretary General which is uh, an amazing fact if it happens. Um, the main part of this play is, because I'm up in the air as to whether all this is true or not, the main uh, thing I'm trying to get across is about the will to believe. And it's very important that one have an open mind to look at the credible evidence with your open mind and make your own determination as to what it means. That's essentially the point that I'm trying to get across here. But but the Secretary General of the United Nations was not abducted. Well, I, do, I, I don't know. He says officially he wasn't abducted, but there's uh, uh, written materials that Bud Hopkins had from him on UN stationery that says, uh, admits that he was abducted, and but then says, "I'm going to officially deny it." Of course. So I, you know, it's what what it's what you choose to believe. I mean, that's just one small aspect of this case. I mean, this this it's it's huge too, and they debate all of the evidence in, in primarily in the second act. The first the first act is Linda uh, Cortile. Um, her uh, regression by uh, uh, psych, psych, uh, you know, uh, psychotic reg regression by uh, Bud Hopkins. Hypnotic regression. Hypnotic regression. Yes, hypnotic regression. Sorry, not psychotic. Hypnotic regression. Yes, sir. And so, um, anyway, there's. It's a fascinating case, but it comes down to the will to believe. Uh, is there? A, a venue uh, is it is there plans to have these things uh, shown somewhere i mean are plans to put on the play somewhere right now right now Phil, Phil, you know philip mantel he's our, our we, we happen to have the same publisher at the moment uh philip has uh we've got contracts for norway and germany uh for um plays in development we're looking for anywhere else in the world that would be interested um, have, have you approached the Roswell Museum about putting on a putting on the Roswell aspect of it uh, at any time? I have. And were they excited? Or? It, it, well, um, well, they. It, it hasn't happened yet. Let's let's put it this way: it hasn't happened yet. Um, 
you know, I'd very much love to put it on at Roswell, but, uh, you know, you need, it would take some bucks to, to put it, to do it right. Okay. I mean, John, it, you need to do John, it right. I, I got to interrupt you. We're, we're out of time. Want to thank you for taking an opportunity to be here on a different perspective. I appreciate your insights. I think it's a wonderful project, or a fascinating project. So thank you very much for spending the, the time with us. Thank you very much. As I say, I've been here with John Steiger. We've been talking about the UFO trilogy, Dramas for the Stage. Um, I will be back next week talking to, talking to, talking to, Oh, I can't remember who the guest is next week for the, at the moment, but we'll have a guest next week. We'll be talking about UFOs. Uh, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com because we will be um, have more information. The guest next week is Rob Zwiatek from MUFON. So uh, be looking forward to that, and uh, we'll see you in 167 hours. Thank you. Thank you.